Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Genesis 33. I want to read a portion of this text. I'm going to read a little bit more than I normally would on a Sunday morning, but I'm not apologetic about it. I feel like I'm supposed to. And, uh, you know, we, we really, we get our marching orders from this word. And ladies and gentlemen, we've got to be consuming this word daily. We speak to everyone in this room. You've got to be in the word of God every day. Whether you're doing it through this physical or whether you're picking up your phone and you're playing it audibly and you're listening to it, you've got to be getting the word of God into your life every day. Genesis 33. Let's read verses 1 through 4 to start, please. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, Esau came, and with him 400 men. So Jacob does something. He divided the children unto Leah and unto Rachel and unto the two handmaids. And he put the handmaids and their children foremost. And then Leah and her children after them. And then Rachel and Joseph hindermost. Verse 3 says, And he passed over before them, and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Watch verse 4. It's very interesting. And Esau ran to meet him, and he embraced him, and he fell on his neck, and he kissed him, and they wept. These two brothers have been estranged for 20 years years. Brother Barkas, for 20 years, Jacob has feared this interaction with his brother because he deceived him over a bowl of lentils and then that venison before the father. How many remember this? Jump down to verse 12. And just to let you know how long we're reading, I want to read verses 12 through 20 to try to frame in where we're going. And he, he said, let us Take our journey. This is Esau speaking now to his brother Jacob after this great moment of reconciliation between the two, the words of reconciliation which have occurred. Esau said, let us take our journey. Notice those words there. Us, our. We've walked separate for long enough. Let's walk together. Let's take our journey 
and let us go. I'll go before thee. Jacob responds, My Lord knoweth that the children are tender, and the flocks and the herds with young are with me. And if men should overdrive them one day, all the flock will die. Let my Lord, I pray thee, pass over before his servant. And I will lead on softly, according as the cattle that goeth before me, and the children be able to endure, until I come unto my Lord, unto Seir. Esau said, Let me now leave with thee some of the folk that are with me. He said, I'll leave you son of, of my men. But Jacob said, what, what needeth it? There's no need for that. Let me find grace in the sight of my Lord. So instead Esau returned that day on his way to Seir. Now please key in here on verse 17. Jacob journeyed to Succoth and built him a house. He he made booths for his cattle. Therefore the name of that place, Succoth, Jacob came then to Shalem, that city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. When he came from Padanaram and pitched his tent before the city, he bought a parcel of a field where he had spread his tent. And at the hand of the children, of Hamor, Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of mud. He erected there an altar, and he called it El Eloah, Israel. I want to preach to you what I feel so directed from the Lord for our church today. On this thought, Jacob's words wouldn't walk. Jacob's words wouldn't walk. And I'll do my best to make sense of this in a moment, but would you pray with me that every generation represented in this room could receive from the Word? God, I pray. <clears throat> I pray specifically that you would help me, that I would be able to make sense and frame in this text, that I could somehow in some, some way do justice to this Word and the burden that I feel to share it. I'm not here for the applause of men, and that's not why you've called me to this podium. But I am here because you're asking us to live for you and to walk with you. And I'm praying that you would help our minds, our hearts to receive what our ears hear today. We pray for your help in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And let everyone say amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. <clears throat> Jacob Jacob had the right name he was a deceiver he was a surplanter if some of the siblings in here would allow me to say it he was the obnoxious little brother I don't want you to raise your hand just give me that right look if you have an obnoxious little Brother, yeah, some raise their hand anyway. All right, fantastic. But it's just the truth. He was that obnoxious little brother, and it's been taught and it's been preached, and many of you have heard it since you sat in Sunday school rooms yourself. 
about what happened in the relationship between Jacob and Esau. Many of us have seen the relationship between them and we have watched the dynamics unfold. And truly, we, we watch what seems to be a very clear manipulation uh, of, of Jacob and his actions. And, and I know that we can play this upon the parental side, father and mother, daddy had a favorite and mama had a favorite. And, and yet the truth is, at the end of the day, everybody's got to own their own actions. At the end of the day, I will say it this way, the last thing our world needs, especially today, is the ability to blame somebody else for what we choose to do. How many know there's a lot of that that goes around? Parents in this place, every one of us can relate. Every one of us that has ever went to get onto one of our children. If you have multiple kids, and before you can even finish, they have already begun to blame it upon their sibling, blaming it on someone else. But we watch this unfold, and we watch blessing, and we watch birthright that seem to be taken so casually. We watch the first scenario where Esau comes in famished, and there, over a bowl of beans, he seems to cash it in. What good is this to me if I starve right now and over a bowl of beans? And then we watch a more horrific and quite unusual sight we are spectators on the front line of weirdness when he puts that hair upon his body. I don't care what you think, that is a weird story. If that's not weird to you, your family is. It's going to help you out. You might not know. And we have watched this. This choice has driven a wedge between these brothers. We don't get very far into the text until we see amongst that first set of brothers, Cain and Abel, that jealousy can creep its way in. And in many times and many places since then to now, jealousy can cause destruction and bargaining can cause destruction between brothers. And so it is in the life of these two brothers, Jacob and Esau. And it drives such a wedge between them that it is not days, it is not weeks, it is not months, and it is not simply a year or two, but decades would dissolve before they would ever meet again. I want to tell somebody on the practical side in this room right now. The enemy would love to divide you from your brother. And he would love to make deceit and deception become the wedge that causes that division. But it is not the will of God for you to have division from your brother or division from your sister. It's not the will of God. From the youngest in this room to the eldest in this room, I'm going to say it this way, and I think everyone can agree, since we have a unified group in this house and multiple generations. Brother Matthews, here's what I believe. 
Bullying doesn't belong on any level. I don't like it in the toddler class. I don't like it in the young children. I don't like it in junior high. I don't like it in senior high. You might as well get ready. I'm going to say them all. I don't like it in college or hyphen. I don't like it. I don't like bullying. I don't like alienation. I don't believe in isolation. I don't believe in separation, not amongst the college students. I don't think it should involve the young married groups. I don't think it fits in the middle married groups. I don't think, Brother Barkas, it belongs in the elders. I don't think it's right on any level. I don't think it's right to be trying to give care to a child and the child is taken advantage, advantage of any more than I think that one of the elders that's being given care should be bullied or taken it. And we as the body of believers should have such an absolute bulldog tenacity and a hold on this that something should rise up in us when we see one of our brothers or our sisters being manipulated or deceived or pulled away or divided from the body. To which I would ask Jacob... What good is your blessing if it destroys your bond? What good is your blessing if it destroys your bond? Let me pause and get practical, practical before I take a deep dive into the text. What good is your job if it costs you your family? Oh, that's a little hard. I'm going to preach it anyway. What good is your college acceptance if it costs you your soul? What good is that flirtation if it costs you your marriage? There is nothing that this earth can provide that is worth the relationship with the family of God. Jacob is about to get a blessing, but he is about to lose fellowship. Study his life. Watch his journey. Brother Mac, he is about to have the absolute blessing of God and yet live in torment. It's like the person that comes to church and shouts because they're blessed but lives under depression by the time. I don't want to just say I've got victory. I want to walk in victory. Jacob, I don't want to just hear that you're blessed. I want to know if you can walk in the blessing of God. And Jacob and Esau have been estranged for some 20 years. And it's here in Genesis chapter 32 that we are about to watch the greatest wrestling match of all ages. UFC has never seen anything like it. WWE has never seen anything like it. Jacob is about to wrestle with the Lord. And it is here, this, this, this moment when Jacob is going to hold on all night 
long. Mason, it'd be like if you decided to come and and wrestle me. I'm a little bigger than you. If I don't win, people are going to make fun of me. But you just decide no matter how bad I hurt you, no matter what I do to you, you're just going to hold on to me. You're probably going to limp away with pain, but you've decided I'm going to hold on even if it hurts me because I've come to learn that the pain in my body will never be worse than the pain in my heart. And he clings until finally that, that angel of the Lord asks him a question. How many remember what he asked him? He says, what is your name? And it's there at that place. We don't get a great account of his name for quite some time. Since the last time when he was there over his blinded father. And he says his name. But he proclaims Esau when he should have been honest. And said Jacob. And the angel of the Lord wrestling him there with him in the middle of the night. Says if you really want a blessing. You better be honest about who you are. That's why some of us cannot get the full blessing he intends for us to have. We can't even be honest with God, much less ourselves. And finally there in the midnight hour, the angel of the Lord has wrestled with him from then until the dawning of the next day while he has sent the family on ahead over the brook and the day was about to dawn and, 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 and he's clinging and he says, all right, what's your name? And there he spits out that name. I'm Jacob. I'm the surplanter. I'm the deceiver. I know who I am. And the angel says no longer will you be Jacob, but you will be Israel from this day forward. For you are one that has wrestled with God and prevailed. We understand it to be a moment. We're going to still hear him called Jacob. And then at times we're going to watch him called Israel. It's not a definition. Let me... Let me take a preacher's pause and tell you, you need to be less concerned with what people call you and more concerned with what God calls you. Everybody might not get your title right. I've been around certain people that if you didn't get their title right, God forbid you forgot to say brother or sister or doctor. Sorry, forgive me, but I have a tendency to call God by his first name all the time. Hear me right now. I'm thankful for your degree. I'm thankful for all the education you've got. But at the end of the day, if people still call you Jacob, as long as you know he's called you Israel, If people still think you're a surplanter, if people still think you're a deceiver, but you recognize I've been washed and I've been sanctified and he's picked me up and he's turned me around. I know you see me as Jacob, but he sees me as Israel. Come on, who am I preaching to right now? You're not who you were and you can't worry about how people see you. Brother Trano, it's how God sees me. How'd you get this way? I just hung on. I just hung on to God. And he's called Israel. Everybody say Israel. He's called Israel. Here's my problem, Jacob. If God calls you Israel, act like it. 
Well, well, well. If God calls you Israel, then act like Israel. Pastor, what are you saying? Well, explore the text with me. Because it's here on the heels of the great wrestling match of the book that we watch now. Jacob is going to strive for reconciliation with Esau. I need reconciliation with my brother. Do not be fooled about this. He has just survived all night wrestling the angel of the Lord, but is convinced his brother will kill him. He is convinced it has limited him. Man, I feel I'm in the I gotta preach to somebody right now. You have not survived. Everything you've been through for God to let this moment destroy you. He has not helped you get through all of this to let this moment. I wish I could be there with a bullhorn and I'd tell Jacob, Hey Jacob, your brother doesn't want to kill you. Because it would have made him act different. It wouldn't have made him be so standoffish. But when you get in your mind that your brother's out to get you, it changes the way you live. Oh, yes it does. It affects the way you talk. He send all those maidservants, send both of them up first, take you and the kid. If they start killing people. Take, take notice of people that always want you to go first. <laughs> hmm. And then he's got Leah. You know Leah had to give Rachel a look. Choosing you again. Here she goes. Leah goes next. And then Rachel and him. And the, listen, he's sending them forward. But when Esau, Brother Honeycutt, when Esau sees his face, how is it that, that Jacob is the one with the blessing, but Esau's the one who's forgiven? He's the one that's already forgave his brother. He's already got that hurt out of his heart. He's already got that bitterness out of his spirit. He doesn't have the same blessing as Jacob, but he's more blessed in his lifestyle because he let go a long time ago what Jacob... Yeah. Holding on to hurt will cause you bitterness. It will cause you worry. I got to speak to somebody in this room right now and tell you if you could let go of that old hurt, it would take the stress you carry every day. It would take the bitterness that's trying to cling to you. It I speak to every young person and every adult in this room and tell you sometimes people walk away and it's not your fault. Sometimes people pass away and it's not your fault. Sometimes we have fights and arguments with individuals, but that doesn't get to keep you captive for the rest of your life. 
Best thing that we could do is say, I forgive them. Jacob has absolutely gotten confused in his mind and he is, he is locked up in a prison of his own mind and his own heart with this thought, he could never forgive me. And for some of us in this room, it's not that we need to grant forgiveness, it's that we need to learn how to accept it. Forgiveness is a two-way street. It's one thing to learn how to forgive. And many of us in this room, we are brilliant at being able to forgive and forgive someone. But we have been bombarded by hell with the inability to actually believe someone has forgiven us. Esau sees him, Pastor Lopez. He runs to him. Now, if you're Jacob in this moment when he takes off running, you're probably nervous. Here he comes till he runs up and throws his arms. And all of a sudden, Jacob hears him sobbing on the side of his face. Begins to kiss him on the neck. My brother! My brother. Please watch this graphic portrayal in the words of reconciliation. But I want to point out something to you about the 33rd chapter of Genesis. Brother Josh, not one time did Jacob call him brother. Jacob just called him Lord. Jacob said, I'm your servant. Jacob could never really accept what was happening. There was forgiveness being granted. There was reconciliation being extended. This was more than an olive leaf. This was a moment for renewal. This was a moment to move forward. Esau is about to open up his mouth and say, Haven't we walked alone long enough? Look at the blessing in my life, Jacob. God has blessed me abundantly. I don't need your cattle. I don't need your blessing. And Jacob urged him, please, please take it. Jacob was trying to find some internal fixture for what he had been wrestling. And the Bible says in Genesis 33 that he urged him until Esau finally relented and accepted from him and, and took this gift from Jacob as if to say, okay, if this is what it takes for us to be together and watch his words, he said, but let us go. Let's walk together. And Jacob became old Jacob again. Because Brother Marshall, in this moment, he didn't talk like Israel. He talked like Jacob. He said, oh, I, I, I love you, buddy. I, 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 the cattle, the cattle, and the little ones. We've got the little ones. They're tired. You know, if we drive them too hard, they'll never survive. Do this. Do this, Esau. Go ahead, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow after you. I'm going to catch up with you. We're, this, this is going to be more than words of reconciliation. So, so go on ahead of me, and I'm going to catch up. I've, I've got to let them rest. You know, we've been trying to get to you. We've been, we've been trying to make this moment happen. We've, we've been trying. But go on ahead, and then I'm going to catch up with you. And Esau said, well, let me, 
Let me leave some of my servants here. Let me, let me leave some of the people. Oh, no, 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 Esau, I don't, I don't want that. We don't need that. There's, there's no need. for. Look at all the things that God's given me. You take them. I don't, I don't want anybody. And really, what Jacob was saying, Sister Master, is he's saying, I don't want anybody that really knows how I'm going to live after this moment. Because Esau walks away. And three days later, instead of Jacob walking with his brother and walking to link with his brother, he heads north, heads to Succoth, ends up in that, in that place where he begins to take some temporary shelter before he moves on to Shalem, just a little bit there, a city of Shechem. He's just told his brother, I'll meet up with you. If you planned on walking with your brother, then why would you walk the other direction? Let me tell you why. Because good moments of repentance do not make a walk or a lifestyle change. After this one good altar, you still got to get up tomorrow and put one foot in front of the other and do what you said you were going to do, and act how you said you were going to act, and live how you said you were going to live. Jacob, I'm thankful you hugged him, and loved him, and cried with him, but you shouldn't have lied to him. If you didn't plan on walking with him, you should have told him you didn't plan on walking with him. And I felt such a challenge from God to tell somebody in this room, we've got to stop telling him we plan on walking with him if we don't we got to stop having warm embraces and salty tears and telling him that we're thankful he took us back and thank you for forgiving me and I've got the words of reconciliation but not the walk of reconciliation. Young people, you listen to me right now. It's not the will of God that you have to re-pray through every single week. That something can distract you and turn you into Jacob again when God has defined you as Israel and has pulled you out of miry clay. I need a few middle aged and some elders in this room that would be able to identify in this room. How many know we can walk consistently with the Lord? Say, well, pastor, that's an okay thought. No, 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 it goes a lot further than this. And that's why while I'm preaching to you, while I'm preaching to the boys and the girls that are here, I'm really preaching to the parents in this room because I want you to watch what happens here. We don't preach the fullness of this. We, we stop at Jacob and, and we, we end in this wrestling situation and getting to Israel. But the next chapter is this incredible reconciliation moment with Esau. But we don't really track it forward and recognize that instead of walking after Esau, he walks north and he begins to get territory in that city. Chapter 34. As soon as he settles in the opposite direction of his brother, his daughter Dinah, Leah's girl Dinah, Jacob's daughter. Everybody say Jacob's girl. Jacob's girl goes out after the girls of that area. Uh, I got to talk to every parent in this room and tell you that where we choose to live our, ch our children will choose to investigate. <laughs> they will find parts of the area 
They will find parts and crevices and cracks and areas and corridors and quadrants that we ourselves, we think it looks nice because the grass is green. Our children will not be settling for the beauty of the view. And she goes looking. Brother Bert, she goes looking. And while she goes looking, because instead of walking with his brother, Brother Matthews, he settled in this new place. He settled in a place where idolatry is normal. He settled in a place where, where sensualism and religiosity are intertwined. And because he has settled in this place, while Dinah is out for a walk, Shechem finds her and brings her in and defiles this young lady. You read it as though he raped her. Voluntary or involuntary. Theologians have argued it for all this time. But I've got news for you. I'm not blaming Dinah. I'm blaming Daddy. I'm sorry for all the dads in this room. Maybe I'll just preach to me and you can listen. And it's not Father's Day, but I'm preaching to mothers and I'm preaching to fathers in this room right now. And I'm telling you that because he told his brother he would walk with him. And instead he went back on his word. And he ends up settling in a place where idolatry is normal. And sensuality and religiosity are intertwined. His daughter begins to navigate areas that would cost her her purity. She walks out. She gets involved with this, this man. He is, a, he is a pagan. He is a heathen. He is absolutely outside of covenant. I need to be very clear what we believe at this church. We do not believe that believers should date non-believers. We do not believe that it is okay for, and this is not just for our kids. Adults, I want you to hear me right now. You might be single. You've got no business talking to someone that is not full of the Holy Ghost, baptized in the name of Jesus. They might be your friend, but they cannot, they cannot, man, I'm not getting much of an amen, so I'm going to preach it a little bit more. We are not meant to be unequally yoked together. We, I'm going to say this right now. We do not believe in date to convert Christianity. I've had parents get upset with me over the years for that. Oh, pastor, how are they going to win them? If they have to date them to win them. I refuse to take my kid and put them on the altar of some paganistic lifestyle. Man, that's harsh language in, in 2022. That's not really politically correct. To which I say, if they're not a believer, your kid shouldn't date them and you shouldn't either. 
We cannot link up with them and act like it is okay. Shechem violates that girl and then comes to Jacob and says, I love her. I bet you do. Jacob's sons, Simeon, Levi, read the story. Read through Genesis 34. You watch it. They get so mad. How can we be engaging this? They are not even people of covenant. You know what they're really saying? Dad, why'd you bring us here? Never even got to be with my uncle. I watched the whole thing. I watched you lie to him. Do you not care that Dinah? These brothers, and we've preached it, and you've heard it preached, the absolute resolve. And they, they make an agreement with these men, all the men of the area, that they have to go through circumcision. They have to get into covenant. And then while they are all under the time of sickness and, and trying to get repair, then they go in and they slaughter all these men. Watch the heart of Jacob. Jacob is mad. Not because of what happened to Dinah. He's mad that his sons have possibly brought turmoil. That the people of the area would rise up against him. Jacob, what are you doing? What are you, what are you acting out? It's amazing to me that the first thing Jacob did there was build an altar. I need everybody to hear me and I'm going to try to bring this thing to to a finish. Jacob, in this, in this moment, Jacob walks to a place he was not called and tries to build an altar to justify his own actions. Wait a minute, he built an altar. So how is it that this happened to Dinah? And how is it that these boys are about to lose their innocence and get into bloodshed? How is it possible? Because just going wherever you want and building an altar to try to justify it. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. Going wherever I want and just thinking everything's... The only way that Jacob gets out of this and is when the Lord begins to move on his heart and he begins to head back to Bethel. He's got to head back, not from this new altar that I've tried to justify in this new location, but I found the only way to get out of this is to allow God to call me back to an old altar where things really begin to turn around and things really begin to change and things really begin... I'm telling you what God is doing for us at Calvary Tabernacle. He's calling some of us back to an old altar where we really told him, however you want me to live, whatever you want me to do, however you want me to walk, however you want me to talk, because I do not want words that will not walk. I do not want words that will not walk. Pastor, what are you saying? I don't want to have warm tears in this altar that I don't plan on living out. I don't want to have great moments in worship service where woo, woo. And by the time this hand swings over, you look at the clock, see if it's almost lunchtime. Hey. I don't want to. 
I don't want to come up to somebody at church and say, oh, yeah, God bless you. Good to see you. Everything's fine. I let it go. I let it go. I No problem. No problem at all. But if I see them from 100 yards away on the other side of the building, I will intentionally take this aisle so that I don't have to. Got something from 10 years ago that we dealt with and I've told you everything's okay. In fact, we even cried tears on each other's neck and we hugged and we made up and everything's fine. But the truth is we haven't talked since that moment. Jacob and Esau aren't going to reconnect until their dad dies. What should have brought them together was the death of their ego. And yet the next thing that brings them together is the death of their father. And if we're not careful, we'll lose too much time. To... <laughs> Brother Sleva. I know you feel like I do right now. We don't have time to lose. We don't have time to lose. I got to get in this with you. And you got to get. I, we, I might have old stuff against you. You might have old stuff against me. But we got so little time to reach this world. We got so little time to let. New, we got to let everybody know. Because watch this. The whole point of this. Is that he is the God of reconciliation reconciling the world unto himself. And Brother Marshall, he finds us where we were. The Bible said he calls us out of darkness and into his marvelous light, reconciling the world unto himself. And so what I put on display when I get in the service with my brothers and my sisters in Christ, I literally put the reconciliation of God into play through humanity. Jacob, the best thing he could have done is ran and got back with Esau and said, thank God we can walk together. Thank God we can live together. Thank God we can journey together. There is nothing as powerful as when a thousand people come together in Calvary Tabernacle and we dance together and we rejoice together and we shout together. Why is that so powerful? Because we're not to forsake the assembling together of the congregation. It's men and women, every one of us all over this room, different Different ages, different skin tones, different types of personality. And yet the one common factor is the blood of Christ and the reconciliation that he has found us and he has brought. You're from the frozen tundra of Minnesota. God have mercy. Some people in here are from Florida. It doesn't make sense at all. But when you come in this house... It is the reconciliation. We have, he is reconciling the world unto himself. So you and I both from Illinois, but you and him, not from the same state at all. The way you were raised is different. The way you grew up is And yet when we walk in this house, our commonality is greater than our difference. What binds us? Hear me in this house. What brings us together is greater than what divides us. What brings us together is greater than what wants to separate us and alienate us and wants to pull us apart. And the So what are we supposed to do? I'll tell you what we're supposed to do, Brother Ross. We're supposed to link up with our brothers. We're supposed to link up with our sisters. And we're supposed to say, no hurt, new or old, is going to separate me from walking with my brother. No, no offense, no tragedy, no short... Jacob, if Esau forgives you, you need to forgive yourself and link up with your brother. I don't really know if anything will happen. Dinah would say different. 
think Simeon and Levi are going to remember for the rest of their life killing those boys. I wouldn't bring up any tragedies in this room, but we've got people in this very room that have served in times of war and gone through darkness in their life. And if you don't think that stuff follows you, but I don't blame it on Simeon, and I don't blame it on Levi, and I don't blame it on Dinah. I said, Jacob, walk with your brother. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying we're better together than we are apart. We're better united than we are divided. We're better. I feel a little holy warfare in this room right now. I wish some elder would stand and begin to pray thunderously with me right now. I wish somebody lift up your voice. I pray for unity in the body. I pray for unity of spirit.